The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Friday, June 2nd in Hong Kong, Thursday, June 1st in New York. And coming up today, Apple is working on plans to expand its retail chain with a deeper push into China and India. Broadcom suffers a slowdown in sales despite gains in AI. And one Fed official says the U.S. Central Bank should at least skip a rate hike in June. The Senate continues to try to move closer to a debt ceiling agreement, while in Asia, worries continue regarding the relationship between the U.S. and China. I'm Dan Schwartzman. I'll have your news coming up. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Rashad Salamat. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. All right. Well, we're having a look now at uh, Apple. Uh, Apple planning a deeper push into uh, retail in China and India. Let's get details now from Bloomberg's Joanna Wong, who sent us this from Hong Kong. Apple is in talks to open 15 new stores across the APAC region through 2027. Sources say the idea is to build Apple's brand in growth markets, especially China and India. The APAC market generated about $130 billion of Apple's revenue last year. That's roughly a third of total sales. Currently, Apple has more than 520 stores in 26 countries, about half of them in the United States. Yet the company gets most of its revenue from other channels, including its e-commerce site. So why the added stores? Well, they're more about building Apple's brand than actually selling goods. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Well, Broadcom says artificial intelligence spending is helping fuel sales, but it wasn't enough to offset a broader post-pandemic slowdown in the industry. Let's get the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Broadcom is one of the world's biggest chipmakers. It said revenue in the fiscal third quarter will be about $8.85 billion, up 4.6% from a year earlier. Though that tops the analyst estimate of $8.76 billion, it would represent its slowest growth in years. On the plus side, the forecast suggests that NVIDIA is not the only chipmaker benefiting from the AI frenzy. Broadcom's networking components help direct traffic between computers in giant data centers, and it's a maker of custom chips for some of the biggest cloud computing providers. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg, Daybreak Asia. In late trading, the stock bounced around a little bit, uh, down 2.4%. Now, at one point, it was higher. And earlier, we mentioned the Apple story. During the regular session, Apple gaining 1.6%. Rish. Yep, Lululemon Athletica reporting better than anticipated profits and sales for the first quarter, projecting 
expecting full-year results that outpaced analyst estimates. Uh, it's been interpreted as a, a, a sign that demand for the company's pricey active wares persisting despite emerging weakness among consumers. We got reaction from Bloomberg's Poonam Goyal. What I think struck out to us to be very, very good was the international revenue mm. growth, which was 60%. And, and you can attribute a lot of that to China. But remember, China wasn't weak for them last year when it was for everyone else, even before reopening. So just, you know, good numbers on top of good numbers here. Poonam Goyal from Bloomberg Intelligence there. Lululemon also been working down bloated inventories since last year, reporting that levels are up 24% from a year ago in the first quarter. Uh, it's an improvement from the 50% year-over-year gain reported last quarter, though it's still higher than usual. Lululemon shares, last time I checked, were up 13% in late trading. Philadelphia Fed Bank President Patrick Harker says the Fed is close to the point where it can stop raising interest rates. And he thinks the Fed can at least skip a rate hike at the June meeting. Is Harker speaking at an event with the National Association for Business Economics? I do believe that we are close to the point where we can hold rates in place and let monetary policy do its work to bring inflation back to the target in a timely manner. Along this path, I project that we will see modest growth this year with real GDP coming in a bit below 1%. Harker, who votes on monetary policy this year, said inflation is way above the Fed's 2% target. He emphasized that he'll assess incoming data to determine whether additional tightening is needed. One data point Fed officials will be watching tomorrow is the May jobs report in the United States. Those numbers coming at 8.30 in the morning, Wall Street time. Well, we are also looking at uh, what's happening with investment banking. And if anything's uh, uh, to go by, it's uh, not looking great because Goldman Sachs is warning of a sharp slowdown in its uh, investment bank and Kate's reports. Goldman President John Waldron says the Wall Street giant is preparing for a tougher economic environment and is taking additional action on headcount. The bank's trading business is down more than 25% this quarter compared to a year ago. And Waldron describes capital markets activity as sluggish. Analysts have forecast that annual revenue at Goldman Sachs will be roughly in line with what it posted last year at $48 billion. That is more than $10 billion less than what the firm notched in 2021 during a frenzied period of deal-making and heightened trading activity. In Washington, and Kate's Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Rashad Salamat. A little bit more um, coming up later on China's home sales growth. We had a little bit of a slowdown in May after a rebound in the previous couple of months. Uh, values up 6.7%, and that gains uh, that compares to gains of 29% over the previous couple of months. And then Reuters is reporting that Tesla CEO Elon Musk, before he left, met with China's vice premier, Ding Xuexiang. That was yesterday in Beijing, and it marked the first time time that Ding was known to have had a one-on-one meeting with a, a foreign CEO. Those stories ahead, but let's take a closer look now at World News. The Senate is debating further the debt ceiling agreement. Dan Schwartzman with more in the newsroom in New York. Dan. That's right, Brian. Senators have been working all day to try to agree on a path forward to pass the debt ceiling agreement ahead of a June 5th deadline to avert a default. The House was able to approve the bill Wednesday evening. While passage through the Senate is considered a virtual certainty, when that occurs is seemingly the question. Some of the holdups are military spending as well as aid to Ukraine. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham says there needs to be more funding for the military in Ukraine. 
I'm not going to destroy our military in the name of raising the debt. I'm not going to be part of a political system in Washington that pulled the plug on the Ukraine at the time they're making advances. I'm not going to be the savior of Putin. Meanwhile, independent Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders thinks we're spending too much. We're talking about over a two-year period, a $56 billion increase in military spending uh, at a time when we spend more than the next 10 nations combined. Senator Marco Rubio is calling on the Department of Justice to investigate whether TikTok CEO Shu Chu made false statements to Congress. The top Republican on the Senate Intelligence Committee is using a report from Forbes that claimed the social media app stored users' financial information on servers in China that were accessible to employees. Chu had testified under oath before a House panel that he has seen no evidence that China has the ability to access TikTok user data. Chu claims that U.S. data is stored in Virginia and in Singapore. Rubio has urged Attorney General Merrick Garland to investigate Chu and his claims. Worries asked the relationship between the U.S. and China were on display at a defense conference in Singapore as participants expressed nervousness regarding Taiwan. China also rebuffing attempts by the U.S. to set up a meeting between Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and his Chinese counterpart Li Shangfu has also worried those in attendance. Ever since an alleged Chinese spy balloon floated over the U.S. and was later shot down by a fighter jet, relationships between the two powers have been at a low. President Biden speaking at the U.S. Air Force Academy commencement says the country is not looking at conflicts with China. The United States does not seek conflict or confrontation with China. China and the United States should be able to work together where we can to solve some global challenges like climate. But we are prepared for vigorous competition. And we will stand, stand up for our interests, for our friends, and for our values. That was President Biden at the U.S. Air Force Academy commencement. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Dan Schwartzman, and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. I'm Brian Curtis with Rashad Salamat. Erin Gibbs is with us. She's senior partner and CIO of Main Street Asset Management. Erin, it looks like the, the debt ceiling and spending negotiations um, will, be, will be passing, will get through, and that's at the same time that the Fed will pause. Is that enough to juice up these markets further, or is that more or less priced in? I think that's very much priced in. I think right now our, our the real concern for the most of the markets is the Fed rate hike and, and what's going to come in the next two weeks. All right. Well, you know, you look at that. But uh, where would you think interest rates are going to be in about uh, ooh, six months or thereabouts? Because if they are lower, would that be an admission that actually the Fed got it wrong? Uh, 
yeah, absolutely. I think if we see any cuts uh, within 2023, I think that is a, an indication that the Fed, you know, if they're reversing it just within six months of the last hike, I think that's definitely an indication that, that you know, they're having to pull back. Uh, maybe they've over tightened. Uh, so I think right now, I think we might still see another two hikes uh, towards the end of the year. I think I'm in more of that camp that uh, we might see a pause, but maybe not a cut this year. It might be we might have to wait until 2024 to really see that reversal of these recent hikes and what are your thoughts about whether or not we get a recession and whether or not that's enough to get the fed to start cutting maybe towards the end of the year I think that's still very much a risk, whether we're looking uh, through indications through the bond markets or uh, through uh, just what corporate profits are doing uh, that's still out there. You know, the, obviously, the opposing side is that we are just have such a strong jobs report uh, and we're still dealing with very high inflation. And so uh, how quickly we could transform into actually growth being into negative and having two quarters negative. Uh, negative growth uh, just within this year seems less likely given sort of the types of strengths that we're seeing, particularly in the labor market. I, I think, again, that might be something that we might see maybe, uh, the, you know, the beginning of it, maybe in fourth quarter this year and potentially, uh, you know, into 2024. Erin, I mean, we probably had the most uh, aggressive monetary policy tightening uh, in recent history uh, take place globally. Why is it that in the U.S. we're not really seeing the effects of it that much? Yes, there is. I mean, I think we're just starting to see some of the effects and we're, you know, we're starting to see some big drops, both in money supply and inflation. Um, You know, we've known that there's always been sort of a nine to 12 month lag and this this takes a while. And uh, but it I think ultimately it's because the Fed is fighting a lot of different you know, sort of opposing waves, opposing flows. And, and part of that is, is federal spending, uh, particularly in the U.S. And so trying to counteract all of that money supply that is going into the economy uh, through tightening is just, you know, fighting a, a rather, you know, difficult headwind. I want to ask you kind of a complicated question having to do with bubbles. Uh, first, uh, do you think there's a bubble in AI-related stocks, okay, but uh, that's one sort of bucket. The other bucket is, well, you don't think there's a a bubble in AI. It's very real, and it's going to be very important, but maybe the stocks have run up. Or do you think the market is actually looking at this quite rationally, and that some of these numbers, like even a Broadcom trading, you know, with PE of 19 or 20, it's not that expensive. You know, so there are a few stocks where it doesn't really look that terribly expensive. Uh, just like you mentioned, Broadcom, NVIDIA that's trading 40 times earning, that's actually you know, within its realm of averages. You know, prior, you know, now that we have this sort of almost doubling of profits expectations in the forward, uh, forward PE, get, you know, went from like a 70 to a 40 times. Um, so that, you know, it starts looking cheap when you double your profit expectations. So I think there are companies where uh, certainly the outlook is so much improved that uh, they may not be necessarily bubble worth, but certainly expensive. Uh, so, you know, are they more at risk if we really hit a recession? Absolutely. Is there really that possibility of growth in the future? 
absolutely. It's just, you know, whether that's going to happen, if they're going to have that downturn or if a pullback or if this type of momentum is really going to be able to continue. And so I think, you know, it's really important for investors to be, you know, selective about which companies within this space companies that don't have a history of disappointing uh, and, you know, picking your points of entry points because there obviously has been a big run up and you might want to wait for some cooling off, maybe some disappointing mm. news with these high beta types of stocks. Erin, I mean, if you, you mentioned value there, well, China and Hong Kong in particular looking very cheap. Uh, uh, are you looking? Not right now. I, I think given the, the overall expectations, uh, you know, we've, we've just seen some really disappointing numbers, you know, for obviously within manufacturing and the economic growth. Uh, I, I think there's just it's so much risk uh, overall across the board. Uh, you know, we're still 30% cash uh, for a lot of our clients. I, I think, you know, not just looking at uh, the U.S. risk and, and European risk, but uh, it, though it's a good value, you know, you never wanted to sort of buy that that falling knife just yet. Well, we've had some markets really gain so far this year in Asia, markets like Japan and, and also in Taiwan. Those are the two main leaders. Um, are those interesting at all, or are you pretty much playing it from a domestic perspective at the moment? No, certainly uh, Japan does look very interesting. And so I, I think it's more um, sort of the emerging markets um, and, uh, you know, sort of like with less transparency, I'm a little more hesitant. Uh, but absolutely, uh, there, there are definitely good values out there uh, outside of the U.S. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app. Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Rashad Salamat. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.